under the boardwalk, boardwalk. Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this evening's show, we'll celebrate Henry R. Cohen's birthday, You'll find out about some things you didn't know had a name, have a vocabulary lesson, play possum, and we'll be having some fun under the boardwalk. This very day, July 12th, marks the birth in 1888 in Chicago of composer Henry R. Cohen, the youngest of six sons, born to Louis Cohen and the former Rose Jacobs. In 1910, Henry was still living in Chicago, employed as a musician, and in 1915, he co-wrote the tune most closely associated with him, Canadian Capers, along with Earl Burtnett, Gus Chandler, and Bert White. Shortly after, he made his way across the country to the West Coast, and in June of 1917, Cohen was working as a musician at Al Levy's Tavern in Watts. I wasn't familiar with Al Levy, but following one of those tangents I mentioned, I found out he's a very interesting and prominent figure in the gastronomic and entertainment history of Los Angeles, and you'll be hearing more about him in a soon-upcoming show. But back to Henry Cohen. He was married February 17, 1921, in Alameda, California, to Hannah Ethel Cohen. Yep, her unmarried name was Cohen, so after marrying Henry, she became Hannah Ethel Cohen Cohen. Hannah was better known as Alta Cohen, but is not to be confused with the Jewish Major League Baseball player of the early 1930s, Alta Cohen. His real name was Albert, but his father renamed him Alta, which is Yiddish for old. Our Alta Cohen, also known as Cookie, was a professional entertainer in her own right. She made at least a couple of records for Edison as Cookie, the California Sunshine Girl, and a 1928 article in the Louisville Courier-Journal said that she had the distinction of being the first girl to be broadcast from Los Angeles. Around 1920, when she sang Henry's composition, Are You Playing Fair? from the Kinema Theater in Los Angeles. The Kinema Theater opened on December 15, 1917, and in 1922 was equipped with a five-manual Robert Morton theater organ. It was taken over by West Coast Theaters and renamed the Criterion Theater and hosted the West Coast premiere of The Jazz Singer. The Criterion Theater was located at West 7th and South Grand, a few blocks away from Broadway, and unfortunately was raised in 1941. But getting back to Henry Cohen, in 1922 he made Los Angeles appearances at Grauman's Theater, and as guest conductor of Carly Eleanor's orchestra, the only theater symphony orchestra in Southern California. In the early 1930s, Cohen founded a company called Universal Song Service. Universal advertised on the radio and in magazines including Popular Mechanics, Silver Screen, and Radio Guide, saying big royalties are paid by music publishers and talking picture producers, 
And for just $50 in advance, offered to revise, arrange, and compose music to your lyrics or lyrics to your music, secure U.S. copyright, submit to music publishers and Hollywood picture studios, and broadcast your song over the radio. Now, it's said there's a sucker born every minute, and Cohen had a lot of uh, customers writing music or words for 3,749 would-be songsters and grossing about $40,000 a year. Unfortunately, he actually placed only 45 songs over five years, and some of his clients weren't happy with their results. They complained to the United States Postal Service, who charged Cohen in 1936 with mail fraud and sought to bar the company from using the mail. The government's prosecutor was W.C. O'Brien, himself a bit of a composer, who, as a setup, submitted a song of his own titled Girl of the Dale, deliberately writing it to be the world's worst. To bolster his case, O'Brien brought in Elliot Shapiro as an expert witness. Yeah, Elliot Shapiro of Shapiro Bernstein, who published Yes, We Have No Bananas. I'm still in suspense because I couldn't find anything about how the case turned out. In September of 1938, Henry Cohen was visiting San Francisco to confer with officials of the 1939 World's Fair, but was killed September 12th when a San Francisco-bound commuter train struck his car at a grade crossing near Palo Alto. He's buried in Salem Memorial Park and Garden in Colma, California, next to Alta, who survived him by 30 years. I don't know the circumstances surrounding Cohen's writing and publishing, but in addition to Canadian capers, his catalog includes Funny Feet, Hop Skip, I'm Tired of Trying to Make You Care, and these. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Beck's orchestra with Henry Cohen's Why, Dear? I couldn't find anything at all about them, but I think Beck's orchestra was a Canadian band, because that recording is on the His Master's Voice label, a subsidiary of the Canadian Berliner Gramophone Company, formed in 1904. Berliner issued recordings made in the U.S., but in 1916 formed His Master's Voice, devoted to Canadian recordings, and by 1920, the majority of the Berliner Gramophone Company's records were recorded and pressed in Canada. Why, dear, is His Master's Voice catalog number 216327 from 1921. Before Beck's orchestra, it was the Great White Way Orchestra, directed by Hugo Fry with Don't Be Too Sure. Victor 19011 was recorded in New York on January 19, 1923. That was an instrumental, but there are words written by Hal Billings. Well, not really, because Hal Billings is a pseudonym for Harry D. Kerr. We started our little tribute to Henry R. Cohen with You Told Me to Go, co-written with Abe Lyman. I played it by Fred Rich back in February, but you heard it there by the Knickerbockers, a Ben Selvin pseudonym. Columbia 482 was waxed October 16, 1925. I'm Glenn Robison, and you're listening to Rapidly Rotating Records, bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. Listed under the category Things You Didn't Realize Had a Name are the plastic tip at the end of a shoelace, called an aglet, illegible handwriting, called griffinage, and the pound sign on a telephone dial pad, called an octothorpe. Then there's the raised rim of a table on a boat or ship to prevent things from rolling or sliding off in rough seas. Do you know what that's called? I'll tell you at the end of the segment, but here are some musical hints. Fiddler Joe from Kokomo took lessons on a piccolo. But after seven years or so, he could play a violin. Beneath his whisker chin, he tucked his violin. And when you least expected, Fiddler Joseph would begin. On his fit, 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 fiddly He played this melody as plain as plain could be. Now he might have played this tune on a harp or a bassoon, but he played it on his fit, fit, fiddly Joseph met a girl last spring who said, come up and bring a ring. Joseph had no ring to bring, so he brought his violin. A cunning B-flat grin hung from his whisker chin. And then the maiden shouted, Mr. Fiddler, man, begin. On his fit, 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 fiddle-dee-dee. He played this melody as plain as plain could be. Now he might have played this tune on a harp or a bassoon, but he played it on his fit, fit, fiddle-dee-dee. Joe and Jim, like two big fools, went out one night to steal some jewels. Joseph had no burglar tools, so he brought his violin. Soon Joseph said to Jim, 
this is the house, go in. Go in and I'll accompany you upon my violin. On the hill, fit, 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 He played this melody as plain as plain could be. Now he might have played this tune on a harp or a bassoon, but he played it on his fit, fit,
here's a fun record and the Triple R debut for the Dixieland Swingsters with Fiddleobia. There's no composer credit on the label of Bluebird 7160, recorded in Charlotte, North Carolina, on Monday, August 2, 1937. The Dixieland Swingsters, based in Kentucky, was what Charles K. Wolfe, in his book Kentucky Country, calls a Mickey band containing one or two horns, usually clarinet and trumpet, and specializing in country string band music, western swing and novelty items, a la Hoosier Hotshots. The Dixieland Swingsters were the house band for radio station WNOX in Knoxville, Tennessee, and were heard on the program Midday Merry-Go-Round for its entire run, noon to 1.45 each weekday, from 1936 to 1962. The band was led by trumpeter Haywire Dave Durham, who also played banjo and fiddle, introduced by the host of the show as the hottest fiddle player on the air. Others in the group as of this recording were Reedman Carl Buck Hutchins, pianist Jerry Collins, Larry Downing on guitar, and Cliff Steyer playing string bass. In 1943, when the group's guitarist Charlie Hageman was drafted, he was replaced by a staff guitarist at the station. His name? Chet Atkins. I know. Before that, Bert Ralton and his Havana band, with Bert himself providing the vocal, on Fiddle Dee 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 Dee, written by Phil Boutelge and recorded in London on July 2, 1926. We started off that fiddle set with Walter Van Brunt and Maurice Buckhart with two fewer Ds. On Fiddle Dee Dee. Irving Berlin wrote the tune and E. Ray gets the words. Victor 17150 was recorded June 20th, 1912. You know what we haven't had in a while? Yeah, a vocabulary lesson. Tonight's word is emendation. E M E N D A T I O N. It goes all the way back to the mid-15th century and is a noun of action from the past participle stem of the Latin emendari and means the act of altering for the better or correcting what is erroneous or faulty. Usually applied to a text or a document, it is more simply a fix. So for this segment, we're going to go about fixing things. Here's Fletcher Henderson. Thank you. 
sense. My sweet mama, get it sense. To treat me proper, don't come to telling me a lot of lies. Cause the lion girl I do despise. Get it sense. Yes, I'm screaming. I'm on to all your trends. I don't want no messing around with my sweet love. So mama, business. Baby gotta get it fixed. Baby gotta get it 
last night and the night before. I played fool, Lord, it never happened no more. But you gotta get it, baby. Baby, gotta get it. Big candy ring, man. Baby, gotta get it. Midnight, baby, baby, gotta get it. Speak what I'm talking about. pianist and singer Charlie Sager with one of eight sides he made, Stop and Fix It, Mama, from April of 1940. That was issued on Vocalion and OK, both with the same catalog number, 05441. Before Charlie Sager, country blues singer and pianist Troy Ferguson, without saying exactly what it is, telling Mama you gotta get it fixed. Troy Ferguson recorded six sides under his own name for Columbia in Atlanta, Georgia, in two sessions, but only four were released. Mama, You Gotta Get It Fixed is from April 15, 1930, and was issued on Columbia 14644. Two other sides Ferguson made for Vocalion in 1936 were never released. We started off that emendation set with the Dixie Stompers, a pseudonym on the Harmony label for Fletcher Henderson's orchestra, 
and Get It Fixed, composed by Spencer Williams. Don Redmond sang the Spike Williams lyric on that December 22, 1925 recording, issued as catalog number 88-H. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand anytime at all online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories. I just found out that the Opossum Society of the United States is a real thing. I know, and it's headquartered right here in Huntington Beach, California. Their volunteers rescue orphaned and injured possums and rehabilitate them for return to the environment. Although we haven't seen him in a while, we had a possum living in our backyard, and several years ago... We rescued a possum, which had gotten himself stuck in a water connection pipe at our office in Claremont. We had to pull him out by his tail, but the little fellow seemed grateful to be freed and just scurried off. And my family member Justin recently bought some land out in the desert where he's building a home he calls the Possum Kingdom. But those aren't my only connections to possums, no, no, no. I also have the following rapidly rotating records about possums.
damn good to eat. Come to the house. You'll always find him good and sweet. Come to the house. My dog did bark and I went to see. Come to the house. And there was a possum up that tree. Come to the house. Come that possum. Come that possum, children. Come that possum. Come to the house. Come that possum. I reached up for to pull him in. Come to the house. The possum he begun to grin. Come to the house. I carried him home and dressed him off. Come to the house. I hung him that night in the frost. Come to the house. Come that possum. Come that possum. Him, them make him brown. Come to the house. Play sweet potatoes in the pan. Come to the house. The sweetest meat in all the land. Come to the house. Have that possum. Have that possum, children. Have that possum. Come to the house. Have that possum. The Mississippi Possum Hunters with Possum on the Rail from Victor 23595, recorded in Memphis, Tennessee, on Wednesday, May 28, 1930. The Mississippi Possum Hunters were Lonnie Ellis on fiddle, guitarist Paul Herring, and vocalist John M. Holloway. They were four for four in that session, four sides recorded, four sides issued. And for the record, don't be hunting possums. We started that Didelphus Virginiana set with Harry C. Brown, with an E, singing and accompanying himself on banjo, bolstered by the Peerless Quartet on Carved at Possum. That's from Columbia A2590, recorded April 6, 1917. Harry Clinton Brown was born August 18, 1878, in North Adams, Massachusetts, and had a varied career. He performed in vaudeville and appeared in at least 14 Broadway shows between 1906 and 1925, and in a number of silent films starting in 1914. Following his acting career, he worked as an announcer and production director for CBS Radio until 1931. 
He sang and played banjo on several dozen Columbia recordings between 1916 and 1928, including his very first record, which is considered to be one of the most racist songs in all of American music. He adapted the American folk song Turkey in the Straw and turned it into a coon song titled Bigger Love a Watermelon, Ha Ha Ha. Harry C. Brown died in 1954 at age 76. Carved at Possum was written by Sam Lucas, who also brought us Stars a Lock on to Chicken Coop Door and Every Day Will Be Sunday by and by. And again, for the record, don't be carving up possums. My wife and I were big fans of the HBO Prohibition-era crime drama Boardwalk Empire, inspired by Nelson Johnson's nonfiction book Boardwalk Empire, The Birth, High Times, and Corruption of Atlantic City, about Enoch L. Nucky Johnson, the boss of the political machine that controlled Atlantic City from the 1910s until his conviction and imprisonment in 1941. The show was greatly enhanced by Vince Giordano and his Nighthawks contributions to the soundtrack. Anyway, for this segment, we're going to take a musical trip to the boardwalk, starting off with Ben Selvin.
Ich bin 
Gustav Gus Goldstein was an American Yiddish actor of the early 20th century who recorded dozens of sides for Victor between 1916 and 1923 and several for Brunswick in 1927 and 28. Most were his compositions in Yiddish with Yiddish titles, chronicling or parodying Yiddish culture, and for about a decade he had a comedy duo with Clara Gold. He did record a few Tin Pan Alley hits of the day in Yiddish, such as Yes, We Have No Bananas, and was later heard on radio. Even with as many records as he made, there's virtually no information about him, at least that I could find. Even the website of the Mayrent Institute for Yiddish Culture at the University of Wisconsin-Madison has nothing. We heard Gus Goldstein's July 26, 1923 recording of Der Boardwalk, written with Reuben Doctor, whom the Jewish Lives Project describes as a one-man Yiddish hit factory. Nat Shilkrit conducted the orchestra on Victor 77020, which shows the title in Yiddish, German, and English. Before Der Boardwalk, it was Benny Kruger's orchestra around September of 1922 with Boardwalk Blues from Brunswick 2327. Boardwalk Blues was written by Roy Turn and J. Russell Robinson. We started that Boardwalk set with I Cried For You, written by Gus Arnheim and Abe Lyman. So what does that have to do with Boardwalk? Well, that recording, made around April of 1923, was by Ben Selvin's Boardwalk Orchestra. It was issued here in the U.S. as Vocalion 14568, but also in the U.K. on Vocalion 1173. 
Selvin's Boardwalk Orchestra refers to Child's Boardwalk Restaurant on the Regalman Boardwalk at West 21st Street in Coney Island, and the orchestra may have played for the restaurant's opening. Child's was one of the largest restaurant chains in the U.S. at the time. The ornate Spanish colonial revival-style building, built by the company specifically for this restaurant, opened in 1923 and features lots of terracotta ornaments and a nautical motif that includes images of fish, seashells, ships, and the god Neptune. Although the restaurant closed in the 1950s, the building is still with us and was designated a New York City landmark in 2003. Now, I'd like to be able to say that every record I play is the actual physical disc from my own personal collection. But some of what you hear on the show is through the courtesy and generosity of fellow collectors. In this case, Rob Godridge from Yorkshire, England. Rob is the proprietor of the website oldgramophonerecords.co.uk. He buys, sells, and trades 78s and cylinders and CDs, and provides audio transfer and restoration services. And there's a listening room on the site as well. So check out Rob's website, oldgramophonerecords.co.uk. And I am Glenn Robison, and I'm elated that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.